BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I hope you are all doing well out there. I am definitely riding the roller coaster of emotions. And right now the trajectory is kind of going down, but I think that's natural. There's definitely still a lot of good, but there's also this feeling of frustration, I think, as the summer approaches and the reality of being stuck or rather safe at home sets in. Still, that's not a reason to be flagrantly ignoring recommendations or rules. So let's all be responsible and do our part. I think the more we practice personal responsibility, the safer we will be, the safer our loved ones will be, and maybe, hopefully, it'll help this thing, I don't know, get under control sooner than later. I've seen the models, as I'm sure you all have, and it's definitely unsettling, but just trying to stay positive, right? So today I have a really fun episode for you guys. I am talking to Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins. They are former beauty editors and hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, which is also here on Dear Media. I went on their show. So after you listen to this, go listen to that. Or if you've already listened, then you already know. Um, And we are dishing on, obviously, all things beauty. I loved hearing about their experience in the magazine world. I'm fascinated by it. And of course, I wanted to know if it was like Devil Wears Prada-esque. And it was also really interesting to hear about the craziest trends they've seen and tried and what actually works and what they wish would disappear because they've been around, they've been in this industry for so long. So I will give you a little bit of background on each of them. Jill Dunn has more than a dozen years of experience reporting on beauty and lifestyle trends, first as an editor at Elle Canada and Glow magazines, and now as one of the resident beauty experts on the Marilyn Dennis show on CTV. She has also dished beauty advice with appearances on the Social and CTV Morning Live, an award-winning writer and freelance contributor to publications like Elle Canada, Hello Canada, Chatelaine, and The Kit, Jill's everyday musts include coffee, concealer, and pop culture. 
Carlene Higgins swiped her first swatches as an award-winning beauty editor at Flair for over 10 years, where she interviewed the likes of Pat McGrath, Charlotte Tilbury, and Marc Jacobs. For two years, she handled both style and beauty, producing features and photo shoots. Today, she's a freelance beauty and style writer, a blogger, and a mom boss currently obsessed with the wide, wild world of entrepreneurship. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show, Jill and Carlene from Breaking Beauty. Hi. Thanks for having us. So excited you guys are here. I just went on your show, so everybody go listen to that as well. Pod swap. Um, Yes, love a good pod swap. So why don't we start by you guys telling the listeners about yourselves and how you came to be the hosts of Breaking Beauty. Sure. You want to take this one, Jill? Sure. So I'm Jill Dunn. Um, so we started the podcast about three and a half years ago now, but both Carlene and myself, our background is in print magazines, in uh, editorials. So we are both beauty editors. And to kind of like make a long story short, basically, I started working at Elle Canada um, as an intern. So I worked in the beauty department there and I kind of worked my way up. And by the way, a lot of people think beauty editors are like uh, experts in makeup and hair. We definitely are not. <laughs> what we, In terms of like doing our own, we are actually reporters first and foremost. So um, what I did when I worked in magazines, it was just my dream to write and to be part of a glossy publication, you know, all the cool movies when you were growing up, that was the job to do, right? Is to work in magazines. Um, and so I didn't even know a beauty editor was a job. But when I started interning at L, that's the department that needed the most help. And I also saw that um, the pace that they worked at really appealed to me. There was always something new to talk about. And there was always some usually really amazing woman that they could profile. And um, I'm not going to be honest, the beauty editors were always out at the fancy lunches and they were always going on press trips. And usually the features editors would be like stuck at their desk doing, you know, just working, working with copy. And I was like, hey, yeah. And I was like, Hey, I think a beauty editor is kind of a good beat to cover. Cause like you get all the, you know, you get to write and create and all of that stuff. Um, but you don't, you also are, discovering the world too, in a lot of ways. So that's kind of how I stumbled into being a beauty editor. And then I went to work at uh, Glow Magazine, which is like Canada's Allure. And uh, I was the beauty editor there as well. And Carlene worked across the hall from me. So we actually never worked directly together on the same magazine, but we always were on press trips together, reporting on similar events. And yeah, that's kind of how we got to know each other. And oftentimes it was sort of on press trips and that you just, you just really bond with people, um, going on those types of trips together. Yeah. There's a trips. whole like beauty editor community, I feel like because yes. of all of the events and, and especially the press trips. Cause then you end up having like multiple meals together and you just kind of click with people. And a lot of times those friendships last a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And just to uh, finish that off. So basically I worked in magazines forever and then I kind of saw the shift in the industry happening and I went to work at a digital publication for a few years. And then I sort of morphed into freelance life and I do a lot of broadcast television here in Canada. And um, Carlene was working at magazines at the time and she can take it from here, how we reconnected (laughs) on the podcast. 
Yeah, yeah. So I also kind of stumbled into beauty. Like I just started working at magazines kind of randomly. I got my first job was front desk clerk. So I was everybody's bitch and, you know, photocopying and all that kind of stuff. And I just kind of worked my way up. It happened to be a hair magazine. I just tried to do the best job I could at whatever I did. So I kept getting more responsibility. And then eventually someone from the magazine went and worked at a magazine in Canada called Flair, which was kind of like Canada's Vogue. It was one of the top three fashion magazines here. And they remembered me. So they brought me over. And from there, they were like, oh, you worked at a hair magazine? You must be a beauty girl. I was like, sure. So I started doing freelance writing and then I just kept working my way up until eventually I was beauty director for about a decade. And that was really fun. I got to go like backstage at Fashion Week in New York and Paris and Milan and interview like huge makeup people like Pat McGrath and um, Dick Page. And I actually did a photo shoot with Charlotte Tilbury So, you know, just really, really got entrenched in the whole beauty industry for a long, long time, from writing to editing to doing shoots and certainly trying a lot of products in the beauty closet. But of course, as we all know, the the print magazine world just really um, took a turn, you know, with the, the dawn of the digital age. And eventually my time just had to come to an end, you know, um, staff sizes were really shrinking. And honestly, I had been there for too long. You know, you get comfortable and especially if you're working in a small market, it's just like, where do I go from here? And I also had little kids. So it's hard to think about taking on something new when you have little kids, you're kind of like, if you have a baby or whatever, you're just like, I can't go out there and start looking for a new job. So um, I ended up losing my job and that was three years ago. And that was honestly the best thing that could have happened to me because I really just needed a life change. And I think that's sometimes the universe just does deliver like that. And it was the perfect time. There were very, very few beauty podcasts in iTunes and, uh, you know, Jill and I kind of got together for a drink and uh, we were like, let's do it. You know, I'm, I just ended up falling in love with beauty. So I wanted to keep going with it. I really strongly believe that beauty is, it's just one window into the world, looking at like psychology and how women feel about themselves and economy, you know, even look at like the lipstick effect and sociology and the whole world of beauty has changed so much. And I've really loved every minute of it and just delivering those stories. So now we do it in a new way on a podcast. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. Like what you hear? Let's get friendly by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the Friend of a Friend podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at DearMedia.com. See you there. What is it actually like at a magazine? Because when I think of this, I think of Devil Wears Prada. Mm, been there. Obviously, they were in fashion, not beauty. But like, what is that environment like? Is it as competitive as maybe the stereotype is? And like, what what is that beauty closet like? Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, well, it certain it certainly was in its heyday. There were people I was scared of. There was people you'd be scared to ride the elevator with. Um, and and it was it was like I felt like there was even more of a spotlight on it here where we are in Toronto because it's like a it's just smaller. So um, you know you you were really made to feel like it is kind of like that devil wears Prada thing. Which what what was the line there? It was like a million girls would kill for your job. And I, I did feel like I did feel like that some days and. I, I should preface this by saying like Carlene as well, we had no industry connections to get us to where we were. It was just like pure hard work and hustle. And so I felt like the harder you worked, the more you would be able to stick around. But you definitely felt the pressure of like, you know, wearing the clothes or being up on the trends. Um, I don't know. That's, that's my experience anyway, where Carlene, like not necessarily people judging you, but maybe it was like coming from myself. Like we're talking about these, like these current trends and it's like, you feel like you sort of should like look the part, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I think there was drama. Like there, you know, when I first started at Flair, which was, I don't even want to say how many years ago, but I, I call it like the days of the black cars. You know, because I think my editor exclusively would ride around in a black car every day and not, you know, never take like a taxi to an event or anything like that. And by the end, you know, and this was like going through the recession and, and everything and going into digital, it was like literally young editors were being given tokens to take the subway to events. <laughs> like we just completely saw this turnaround and so yeah now it's kind of a joke to look back but there definitely were the days where you know editors were going on press trips to let it'd be a fragrance launch like in the middle of the desert and they would be taking like a private jet there and you know there were certain editors who I know publicists couldn't put in the same car together because they were cat scrapping (laughs) But personally, I always found that beauty, beauty, beauty girls, as I will say, um, were always a lot nicer than the fashion ones. In the end, I ended up working in fashion and beauty. And when I go to fashion events, I was just like, fuck me. Nobody touches the catering table. Everybody's (laughs) just like looking each other up and down. I was like, I'll go back to beauty now. Yeah, it's more, it's, it's more accepting, I think, for sure, because I just think also, Carlene, oh, I was just going to piggyback on something you said, and I'm forgetting it now. But I, I do think that also we were just, you had to collaborate in a way because our teams were so small, you couldn't like, um, you know, not interact with certain people on your team. So right. I feel like that was a big difference from like Devil Wears Prada, where like you would never see your editor in chief kind of thing. Mm hmm. You mentioned the pressure. So that was another thing that I was curious about because I would imagine that there would be some competition, at least whether it was coming from other people or whether it was coming from yourself. So was there pressure to look a certain way, especially in beauty? I feel like that kind of existed more in the fashion world. Like I said, Mm -hmm. it was a little bit more cutthroat. Um, To me, when it came to like pressure and when I look back, it was just, you know, going through the recession and watching the publishing industry kind of almost collapsed, really. It was very stressful. And I don't think I realized until after I left and had kind of a bit of PTSD that it was really toxic. And I think from that perspective, it wasn't a very collaborative place. Like you would collaborate because you had to and be creative with everyone. But there was, I think, always just a feeling of you're lucky to have your job. And therefore, yeah. 
it was about people being very competitive with each other and not in a healthy way. And I think that's, that was one of the, honestly, one of the most wonderful things about leaving and doing our own project and working on the podcast. I mean, we don't have a large team. We have each other and we have someone who works on social with us. And like we worked with a different producer before, but it was just like really wanting to cultivate a new culture because we had a choice about it. And so one of the first things that I did when we started our beauty podcast and it was very new and I could see that there were like four other ones in iTunes it was at the time. And I was like, you know, we, we really need to build some like media and some hype around this. So the first thing I did was like call up all those other beauty podcasts and be like, I want to write an article about us, about the rise of beauty podcasts. And so that's what I did. And I pitched it to the coveter and they took the story shockingly because <laughs> it was really just to pump up our own podcast. No, I also read wrote other stories for them, totally legitimate ones. But, you know, but yeah, I called up, you know, Fat Mascara and Emma Guns and who traditionally would be considered our competition and, you know, just thought like, let's do this together and kind of took cues from influencers and YouTubers and the way that they scrapped it out to be the huge success stories that they are today and was like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And now you guys are in vogue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah <laughs> definitely. Major. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, pinch us for sure. Yeah. We've yeah. been very, very grateful. We've had some very nice stories written about uh, our podcast and that's just uh, so nice to see. And Carlene didn't have to write them all. No, I didn't. <laughs> in Italian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a bonus. <laughs> So amazing. Well, you guys deserve it. Your podcast is amazing. So you asked me what beauty is to me. And I want to start by asking you what it is to each of you. Jill, you want to go first? Okay. I think beauty really is a bit of an equalizer. And and I'm just talking about it more like from where we're coming from in from the magazine background. Like what I always I'm from very a very small town in the smallest part of Canada, smallest province in Canada. And I just always liked that anyone could wear red lipstick and feel good about themselves. And you didn't have to know if it was Chanel or if it was CoverGirl. Like, I just really think that it can be, um, make anyone feel great. And that's what really like appealed to me about it as like Carly was saying, like a lens on the world. It's really just one way of one lens on all of these different other things like philosophy and economics. And I forget was the other one that you said (laughs) and culture basically. Um, But yeah, I think that it's just something that uh, to me, you can kind of embrace it no matter what age you are, what um, ethnicity you are. And I think everyone can kind of find a place for themselves in beauty. I love that. How have you seen it change over the years since you've been in the industry for a while? Oh my gosh. Well, it's so, it's so different. Like woke beauty culture. I think, um, Carlene and I talk about this all the time. It's just like stories that we wrote about 10 years ago. They just frankly seem so dated now, like putting people in boxes of like, this is in your twenties, your thirties, your forties, your fifties. This is the look you should wear. And these are like the three products that you should use. And like, that was sort of like that magazine machine, like that magazine voice that I think we thought was doing a great service to women. And it was actually, I think, kind of 
it's just really dated and a bit damaging in a way. So I just think like the the wheels are off of that now and people can decide for themselves what they want to wear and how they want to wear it. And I just think that that democratization of like, it's not just like the Estee Lauders of the world that are calling the shots and, and having influence over people. It's like Glossier creating like cultural shifts with their audience and their community. And, you know, we're just seeing a lot more representation. Yeah. I feel like with social media, right, that's just changed everything. Because Mm -hmm. even when I was growing up, like I had my magazines, like the same rotation of magazines that I would get every month or whatever. And that would dictate, you know, it would be, these are the three, like you were saying, the three products that you need. Mm -hmm. And this is what you do in your twenties. I was like a teenager at the time, but, and this is what you do in your thirties and this, and, and now it's just, it seems like it's just so different. Although it also seems like, um, like we were talking about on your podcast, like things are, people are kind of like morphing into this, this clone. I wonder if you've noticed that. I feel like there's two sides to it. Like on the one hand, and yeah, we were talking about this on your podcast is how everybody is starting to look the same. And I think that happens through cosmetic surgery and, you know, potentially Botox and, and all of whether it's contouring, you know, sort of that LA ideal, But Mm -hmm. I also think on the flip side of that, I think that there is a whole new welcoming of different body shapes and all skin tones and, you know, Mm -hmm. acne positivity and body hair positivity and age positivity. And I think it's a question of where you want to look because also if you just think about social media and like your algorithm, right? You can keep looking at the same images. You're going to keep getting the same images. And that can make you feel like you're in this bubble of what the whole world looks like. But in reality, I think that there are two kind of opposing ideals right now. And one of them is very inclusive and one of them maybe isn't. And it's a question, I think, of what you choose. Yeah. I think you did touch on something important too. Like being in this LA bubble for me, I feel like I'm in this vortex kind of. Whereas when I leave, like if I go to to New York, we have a place there and that's my favorite place in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I go there and there's so much diversity and you see women aging gracefully mm-hmm. and beautifully and everybody, there's just, there's a more kind of natural aesthetic, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course you can find the surgery everywhere, but, um, Mm -hmm. and then if I go to a place like Rhode Island where I'm from, I, all of a sudden I feel like, uh, like a doll or something. I'm like, what have I done? (laughs) (laughs) Reality check. (laughs) I'm really curious to see just as an aside after quarantine, if there will be a difference, because a lot of people have just been forced to not have their lash fill, to not get their microblade fill, to not be waxing, like all the things that we do for maintenance, by the way, takes up so much damn time. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, I feel, I wonder if some people are just going to be like a bit liberated from it. I'm curious. I'm not sure. I have to say for myself, like I miss getting my nails done, even though it's, I hate doing it, but I just, my nails are just breaking left and right (laughs) right now. Mm -hmm. The one that I am really happy now to be able to live without is the lashes. I've been getting lash extensions for three years and it's like a weekly or every other week 
maintenance thing. And I don't love the look of it. I think it's a little bit like much on myself. And I was just so petrified of seeing my face without lashes for so many years. Mm-hmm. And they all came off and I'm like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're not alone. I've had a, I've had this conversation with a few friends now and they're just like, you know what? Like now that the worst part was the dread of them falling out one by yeah. one. And now that they're yeah. out, they're like, I'm actually okay with it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait for the waxing studios to open Uh, though. Like I will be running and not walking (laughs) to get my bikini line waxed. Come on. I'm just not DIYing that. I'm just not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I can't, I can't wait like that. (laughs) The waxing, the nails and the roots my yeah. hair yeah. those are the three I, I just can't I just can't quit those I've been doing my own roots I've uh, out of sheer necessity wow but it's it felt great I did it's on our IGTV if anyone wants to see it it's kind of long but I felt like a I felt like a superwoman after because I hadn't done it in so long and I was just like I did it I can't believe That's I did really it impressive. yeah really impressive necessity so I'm sure you have seen and heard everything over the course of your careers. So I want to get into like the good and the bad and the ugly. So let's start with what the craziest beauty trends have been that you've either seen or that you've tried. Okay. Jill? Um, Well, I just, I just can't stand all of the ones that stem from YouTube that are just clickbait, like the glitter tongue and gluing up your eyebrows with glue stick and just like all of those things that are just like they serve no purpose, really. They're just like entertainment value. And I just, I feel like those trends, quote unquote, have just went like off the deep end. Um, Okay. I'm not familiar with those. So what are they? (laughs) They're basically like people with like YouTubers who are just like, you understand as a content creator, it's just like, there's so much pressure to like, um, come out with creative content that people are going to watch all the time. So they'll do, these, they'll do these challenges. So one is like a glitter tongue. This is from like a little while ago. And they'll just like literally paint their tongue with glitter and then like stick it out and see like the shock value of that. And yeah, some of them, they're just bizarre and serve no purpose. And then there's other ones like where they glue their, like these crazy, they glue their eyebrows basically into crazy shapes and stuff like that. And so it's just a bit like, surreal for no good real purpose um clickbait essentially so i just mm-hmm. think that those those trends have got to die they just really bother me and um and also the trend of blue light I, this keeps coming up and uh blue light filters in your skincare and and all this stuff like blue light apparently from your iphone or your computer and i just mm-hmm. i just think it's like complete marketing i don't think we need that in our skincare so are they saying that the blue light affects the skin or? That's what they're affects- saying. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Okay. It's aging. But uh, who in the, they're saying there's like blue light filters in skincare, but I don't really think that they're necessary and oh, effective. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a I had a light expert come on my podcast actually, and he was talking about blue light and yellow light and all of it and how it affects your hormones and all of that actually. And that was pretty compelling because he was like, when you look when you pick up your phone at say six or seven in the morning and you get that blue light, which obviously you can put it on night mode and all of that, but yeah. you're basically telling your brain all of a sudden that it's noon. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that's that's I guess different from the skincare. I've always yeah. wondered about that. Yeah. I've always 
lately I've been like, okay, do I need to get like a face shield <laughs> or <Yeah>. something? <laughs> because of all this screen time during quarantine, especially. Yeah. Um, and, well, and it's I, possible that there's free yeah. radicals that are yes. coming off of the screens. I think the point is, is that a lot of skincare has antioxidants in it already, which is what's going to help combat those free radicals. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the the point that it's being marketed in a different way. Like it's the exact same skincare that it was before, but now they're talking right. about blue light. And so that's where mm-hmm. it's a little bit of marketing, but I wouldn't be surprised if screens are not great for your skin or your eyes, especially when you're, when you've got one eye squinted and you're looking <laughs> at the screen for three hours a night, which I know I do. <laughs> and we haven't, so we funny. haven't tried as many, we're not as probably guinea pig-esque in terms of like treatments that are crazy. I know Carlene's tried some interesting French ones. Oh, uh, well, the one facial that I tried that I, the, the latest one that I tried that I thought was a bit like weird was, it was called the Bucal facial. Do you know what I'm talking about? When they massage? When they massage the inside of your mouth. Oh, okay. Uh Yeah. So um, I think Meghan Markle is apparently a big fan of this. And um, what's her name? The facialist Joss. uh, Nicola Nicola, Joss. Nicola Joss is sort of famous for introducing this idea as well. But yeah, it's the idea like that they're massaging that bucal muscle, like your cheek muscle, and then... Mm -hmm. um, from the inside and the outside. So I had that done and she did wear gloves for anyone who's wondering this, this was, um, last year. And I just found like, number one, it was quite painful. It was a lot. I didn't really expect it to be painful at all, but that's really sensitive tissue in your mouth. So I was cringing at times because it was so painful, which personally I don't love in a facial, unless you're getting some really good results out of it, that's going to make that worthwhile. It's like the opposite of relaxing. And then afterwards, like, I don't know, I just started reading about it and I, and I'm just not sure that it's doing anything. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're just pulling at muscles, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's making them stronger, you know? And I, and I actually feel like the whole concept of face gym that's gotten really popular. I mean, the idea of a gym is that you're working those muscles yourself, you know, and, right. and the muscle, the, it's creating a muscle because you're working it. It's not so much the idea that somebody else is massaging you. And I feel like there's a whole gray area there that's just gotten really messy. And I'm not sure that it's anything more than a glorified facial. Um, there's yeah. a guy here in LA, John too. Have you heard of him? No, I haven't. T-E-W. Okay. He is like a celebrity facialist. My, some of my friends have gone to him. They've been telling me to go for years and I finally went before, before one of the award shows this winter and he does this crazy massage. He also uses like tools and currents and lotions and potions that he mixes up, but he like beat my face up. It was so <laughs> painful. Yeah. But afterwards, I was like chiseled and lifted to the high heavens. Really? It was crazy. He didn't go inside the mouth though, but he did do like around that area, around the masseter. He did my brows and that whole area. I mean, it was like astonishing. I was, I couldn't believe it. It took like three hours. It was an exorbitant amount of money. So I wasn't a believer, but then afterwards, 
uh, you couldn't deny it. It was crazy. Wow. Well, that, I mean, that's impressive. I just went to his website and it says he's a facial alchemist. So that's interesting. He's very, yeah, he doesn't, he's pretty woo woo. I love him, but he's, he's very woo woo. Um, He doesn't really like tell you what he's doing. And he just is kind of like, this is just an ancient technique. And this, these are, he gets these like lotions and he makes things himself, but he also gets things from like, I think Korea, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, that have been around for thousands of years. And he got taught by somebody else who got taught, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. this lineage. Right. We love I a love good story. Yeah. I love that he has transformations on his website, pre and post facials. No, that's honestly impressive because you don't often see before and afters from a facial, right? Yeah. He has them on his Instagram too. And like, I, I couldn't believe it mm-hmm. initially. And then I went to him and it is the kind of thing where like you have to go for a few times in order for it to really change your face. Otherwise it lasts for like a couple of days. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think I went to him three times and it definitely lasted for a while. Mm-hmm. Like I had a lot more definition. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got rid of just a lot of puffiness and like a lot of puffiness around my jaw and muscle tension. I don't know. It was so, mm-hmm. it was crazy. All right. That's on our radar. Yeah. I do think there are some very, very skilled facialists who can do like lymphatic drainage. And like you said, he's using microcurrents and things to actually like lift. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And, and to Carlene's point, if something's going to like hurt, like a bacall or however you that yeah. bacall facial, it's like, I want to see immediately that it look better, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the thing. Like, I just didn't really feel, I, I looked so red cause I'd been so pulled. And I just didn't feel like I looked I, a few, you know, a few days later, I was like, do I look any better? I don't think so. I don't think that was worth it, you know? Okay. So I'm also curious, like what, what trends or procedures or products you would like to see disappear, but it sounds kind of like maybe that's one of them, maybe the blue light. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think also just like the really heavy handed beat face. I'm just like a little bit tired of that. And also sort of on the heels of quarantine, I'm going to be very curious to see what happens with people wearing makeup now that half of our face is probably going to be covered for the foreseeable future wearing masks. Like, are you going to wear lipstick under your mask? Like probably not. So I think that that just in and of itself, the the quarantine that we're in will really dramatically change how people are going to wear makeup. Um, and it's still like, obviously the artistic, the artistic expression and all of that. I, I'm not, uh, may saying that I just think, um, that whole look of the really, really dumb face, I think is, is sort of passe now. Mm-hmm. What's your, for each of you, what's your kind of daily makeup routine or do you, do you wear it or do you tend to go more natural? Go ahead, I, I tend to go more natural myself. Um, but I'm also like a busy mom. I have my own hashtag. It's called lazy slash busy, um, which I never use on Instagram because I'm lazy slash busy. But um, yeah, so I'm actually a pretty low maintenance person. And again, I think that's really the difference between a beauty editor and like a beauty YouTuber is that I came up writing stories. You know, I'm the type of person who has my head down and I'm just grinding it out. You know, I'm doing a lot of research, but I didn't come up like a lot of young people do today, which is also great. It's just, it's just different than my experience, which is playing with makeup, you know, and then getting into content creation from there. 
that's not my experience. And I also have what's probably a false belief, but I like to kind of let my skin breathe. I'm more of a skin girl, really. I love skincare and um, taking care of my skin. And so I, I would definitely spend a lot more time on that than doing up my face to go and put my head in front of a computer for eight hours, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I've been wearing makeup, even though I'm sitting on my couch half the day. Um, and I like like a CC cream. I love that one. I think it's really great for coverage. And it's just like one step and you can get a really, you know, get rid of any sort of like redness or blotchiness on your face. And I don't have a ton of skill with makeup. So I feel like I wear kind of the same types of shadows and, and uh, the same look kind of every day, but I do tend to wear makeup. Um, even in quarantine, I've been doing it. So like a, a face, like a five minute face, basically like a foundation or a CC cream, a blush, like um, a cream blush or something from Nude Sticks. I really love that brand. It's like cream stick formulations you can get on your face really quickly. They're bronzers and their their cheek colors. And then um, like a mascara, I love doing that every day. And you just, I just kind of feel more like myself, I think, when I mm-hmm. have that done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that. Then she calls so- me to record and I'm like, we're not turning on the camera. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, we don't look our best on zoom anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Carlina, are there, are there any other trends that we should say that we want to maybe not see come back after quarantine? Oh, um, oh my gosh. I, I had a thought about one, but now I don't remember, but do you feel like I should mention some skincare that I've been loving right now since I just said yes, that I've been. That was my next question. <laughs> okay. Um, so I actually have a new discovery. It's a line of skincare called Alpin. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's A-L-P-Y-N. And um, yeah, it's a clean beauty line that I just started using and it's all like wild crafted actives kind of thing. And I really, really like their eye balm. It's really cushiony and like, I feel like it's relaxing for my eyes and it has ingredients in it that are just really calming. So I have sensitive skin that has a lot of redness and it's also really dehydrated. So I used this eye cream and I, right away I was just like, it's called, wait, what do they call it? Line it's- filling eye balm. Yeah. And I actually did feel like it had right away like a bit of a cosmetic kind of blurring thing going on that I really liked. I really like eye creams that do two things. Like it's going to hydrate, but also give you an immediate bit of brightening. So this has wild chamomile in it, calendula. My skin loves calendula. Anything with that in it just helps with all the redness. It also, the second ingredient is sodium hyaluronate. Um, so that's like a hyaluronic acid that's going to penetrate a little bit better, which is great for hydrating. It has squalane, which is also great for hydration and glycerin. Um, and then it has bacuchiol, which is supposed to be like a retinol inter- uh, alternative. And I'm not sure that it's going to really give you retinol-like results. But my whole thing right now is I just want my face to calm down. You know, things are a little bit hectic in the world. So I am kind of leaning toward calming ingredients and you may not have heard of a line called peony. It's P E O N I wait, P E O N I. That's that's um, one of that's one of the products, but the line is JB Skin Guru, right? Yeah, I think you know what, it's a bit confusing, but I think the line is called Peony. Cool. Um 
But the the creator is JB Skin Guru, who um, her real name is Jennifer Broder, and she's Canadian. Um, she is the facialist to Oprah Winfrey and also the Obama family, including the kids. They actually fly Jennifer out to them to give their facials. And she's amazing. Ariel, I feel like you would really uh, be into Jennifer Broder's whole vibe because it's all clean beauty and it's like non-toxic and all that. But she herself has so much knowledge and education behind her. Like she originally, I'm just trying to find her bio. She originally- Did you guys have her on the podcast recently? We did. Not recently, but- um, A while back. A while back. I think I saw that episode, but I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah. So she um, actually created, back in 2003, she created this LED light therapy device called the Max Plus, and nobody was like using that at that time. And just her her education, like she really understands the physiology of the skin, um, chemistry and product development. So it's like, she's super smart and she has a facialist background, but she really believes in like calming skincare where that's all about training your skin barrier to kind of repair itself instead of using all these harsh products and expecting to have this great result. So like she doesn't really believe in exfoliation and all the acids and all that kind of stuff. I think she's amazing. And I test all these products because I need to for the podcast, but truth be told, this is the kind of skincare that my face likes the best. And um, yeah, so those are some of my favorites right now. When it, when things are hectic, I just want skincare that's going to calm me down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sold on both of those. I wrote yeah, them down. Yeah, have to try them. put them in show and, notes too. Yeah, and uh, Alpen Beauty is like wild. It's like all from wild plants from Jackson Hole in Wyoming. So very, oh, very wow. cool story. Yeah, yeah. The, the Melt Moisturizer also feels like a dream. Like honestly, yeah. it's it's kind of this product line that is is a pleasure to use. And even Jill, I was telling you the other day, they have this survival serum that is yeah. pretty much a dupe for the Glossier uh, Skin Dew. Is that what mm. it's called? Future Dew. The Glossier Future Dew. This is like a clean beauty dupe for that. Like it has shimmer and everything in it, but it's all clean beauty. So Amazing. it's great. Check that out. Alpen Beauty. Okay. I'm going to check both of those out. So what are some of the most amazing trends or products that you've ever tried? Would those be some of them? Or is there something for each of you that is like, this is the ultimate product? Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's you go first. <laughs> well, I think, you know, we kind of didn't really necessarily talk about this off the top, but our show is really all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. And what we were trying to do, we because we did go on all these press trips, like we mentioned, and, and we we're able to connect with these beauty founders. And that's where all the magic is. It's like when you can know the story behind a product or a person who created a product and why they created it, that's why you fall in love with beauty or a beauty product. And we had front lines access to all those people. And when we come back to the magazine, inevitably your editor would say, okay, well, you have like six lines to write about that. So what's new and put it in the magazine. And that's that. And then then you're like, but what about the time? You know, like you just had all this material. And so that's what we really set out to do with our podcast initially was like, 
we wanted to get these founders on the mic, tell their stories in their words and let everybody in on that sort of world that we were experiencing. And so I think a lot of the products that, especially at the very beginning of our podcast, we really just wanted to create almost like a glossary of all of the most iconic products and why you would love them and why they will make a difference to you. And, and like, here's why. And so I still think for me, like those iconic products that we often will just that are like heroes in a line. Um, I still stand by so many of those and still use them to this day. I'm staring at one right now, which is the Dr. Dennis Gross Alpha Beta Universal Daily Peel. Everybody knows this product. Dr. Dennis Gross, he just celebrated 20 years of coming out with this product line and he was on our show not long ago. And just the lengths, you know, it's actually born from his practice on the Upper East Side and he saw the the trend in the market of everybody wanting peels. And um, he was like, let's deliver this at home. And then he patented it and brought it to women. And it is one of those products that will change your skin. Same thing goes for Biologic Recherche, the P50 lotion. Um, we did a whole episode about that with their one of the sons, right, Carlene, Dr. Philip Belouche. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And he um, described the whole entire story of coming up with Biologic Recherche P50, which is like, it's been called Jesus in a bottle. <laughs> like people, it's like a holy grail for so many people. And it's just those those iconic products that time and time again, they're, they've stood the test of time and for a very good reason. And so I recommend like a lot of those yeah. often. Those are just two. I mean, we have a whole archive of episodes that yeah. are, and so we, I kind of like cherry pick from certain lines because I know what's the best from each line basically. Mm-hmm. And I think that was part of, the vision from the beginning was just to create almost like this beauty Bible where if we told these founder stories and we highlighted the one iconic product that people could understand how to shop and not be trying all this shit and wasting their money that they could just kind of cherry pick and get the best from every line and build their top shelf. You know, that Mm -hmm. was always part of the goal. Yeah. I've tried the Biologique P50. Mm-hmm. multiple times. I yes. stayed with it for a couple months mm-hmm. and I just, my skin freaks out, which I know is part of it, right? Or yeah. it can be in mm-hmm. the beginning, but I've, whenever I use it, there's no end. I'm like, when is this going to stop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you trying, there's different kinds too, right? Like one for the 1970 inside. and then one of like the gentler ones, but. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I, I want to be part of the club. Like I yeah. have like the cult. I want to be part of the Biology cult. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's, you know, these are sort of iconic, but not everyone has the same skin. And that's why, you know, I love the P50 and I love the Dr. Dennis Gross daily peel pads. But at some point you have to look at your skin in the mirror and just say, you know, and figure out what jives with it and what it likes, you know. And that's why for me I can appreciate those products. But what will ultimately make my skin the happiest is first of all, if I stop testing 500 products (laughs) and then second of all, if I just used, I think these calming products that were going to help with my skin barrier, I don't think I would need all these aggressive peels and I think my skin would be happier. So there is some, a little bit of trial and error and, and not one product is going to be great for absolutely everyone. 
you know, and you're part of yeah. our club anyway, P50 or yeah. no P50. It's true. <laughs> and I, and I do, I, I do think too, like we just did a whole episode about dupes and I was trying really hard to find a dupe for like the Coda Lee beauty elixir, for instance, which is like such a cult favorite product. And like the, the P50, even in like these things, the things that are the most iconic, they are the hardest to duplicate. And I really respect that. And that's why there's, they do stand the test of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question from that for people listening who may be trying to find the right skincare product. How do you recommend someone follow through with that? Like how long should you stick with something before you decide that it's not working for you? Or what advice would you have to people listening? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Personally, I do think it takes about at least 30 days to figure out how a skincare product is working for you. Cause I do think I mean, I'm not a facialist or a dermatologist, but I do think there can be a little bit of purging going on. And, you know, you just have to give it time to let it do do its work, especially with clinical trials and stuff like that. Usually it takes 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120 days is what they're looking at in terms of results. Having said that, I do think if your skin is angry right away and it's like red and it feels really irritated, Personally, as somebody with sensitive skin, I would just back off from it. Like I might go from, I like tiptoeing in anyway, but I would probably start using it less often. And then if it's still doing that, just get rid of it. It's not for you. And I I also think we do have an episode that's epic. Um, It was episode 99 with a facialist, Renee Rouleau, and it's all about building your skincare routine. And we just had a huge response from that episode because it is so damn overwhelming out there. And Mm -hmm. I I think she just gave incredible practical takeaway tips. So if you guys want to check out that episode, I think um, you'll get a ton of information that will help you customize a regimen that you can use that will work the best for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's a total expert. I'm going to be going back to that one when we're done with this. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that you guys talk about this in all your episodes, but to close, I want to see if you each have like an ultimate splurge and an ultimate steal. So I know that you've done some episodes on like um, drugstore finds and all of that, but if you mm-hmm. had to just pick one, like as you said before, the desert island <laughs> situation, what would they be? Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> Well, Jill, Jill hears me say this all the time. I'm like a broken record, but um, the splurge for me would be Clay de Poe Hydro Softening Lotion. So Clay de Poe is a Japanese skincare line. It's the higher end made by Shiseido. And I'm a really big fan of Japanese skincare in general. It's all about hydration. Every step is about hydration. And that was the first kind of skincare water or essence that I fell in love with. And for any of your listeners who don't know, but I'm sure a lot of people do know these days, but a skincare water essence is like your toner step. Um, But instead of kind of the olden days where it was like an astringent and you used a cotton pad and it kind of was the last step in your cleansing, it's more like the first step in your moisturizing step of your routine. So It's really about having smaller molecules that are going to penetrate deeper into your skin. And there are a lot of so-called hydrating toners out there these days, but I still stand by Clay de Poe. It has glycerin in it, which is a humectant. 
Um, it has theanine, which is tea derived. So that helps with inflammation and evening skin tone. That's really important for somebody who has a lot of redness in the skin and it has sodium hyaluronate. So that's that smaller molecular size of hyaluronic acid. So I just find right away when I put it on, my skin feels plumper and it feels softer. Like I would definitely recommend looking for that keyword softening or softener lotion if you're shopping for this type of a toner, because I think it's totally different than those other essences that don't have that, mm-hmm. where you're kind of using it going, is this doing anything? Right. Um, so that's my splurge. It's probably $150. I absolutely love it and stand by it. And also their daily moisturizing emulsion with SPF cannot be beat. Another splurge that is fantastic. And then in terms of a save, I love a drugstore mascara. I actually prefer them to luxury mascaras. I don't think there's any point in paying more money. Um, I love Maybelline mascaras right now. Today I'm wearing the Maybelline Falsies Lash Lift, which I think is great. It gives you thickening, volumizing, lifting. It's pretty easy to wash off. So it's like got, it ticks all my boxes and believe it or not, I even like Burt's Bees mascara when I don't want as much drama. I think it just gives you that definition and it washes off easily. It's like your everyday, every woman, lazy slash busy. Love that. I'm influenced to buy those now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're I mean, J Beauty is just so cool. Like they it, like just the formula the sophistication of their formulations, they're just always worth the money. And they really they're are. sunscreen too. I mean, if you're into yeah. chemical sunscreens, they just can't be beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, my Desert Island product that's a splurge, which Carlina is going to laugh at me because I always say the same thing, but um, mine is going to be from Dermalogica. It is the special cleansing gel. I have oily prone skin and I just find like for me, like the cleansing step is so important. Keep my skin clear and I just love a really thorough cleanse. And this is uh, my ride or die. It takes off absolutely every trace of makeup. I usually do do a double cleanse, but if I'm just, you know, if you're asking for one, this is the one. And my biggest tip with a cleanser in any case, uh, the special cleansing gel included, is like a lot of people are not washing their face for long enough. Um, you have to have it the product on your skin and working it in for at least 60 seconds. A lot of people just kind of like splash it on and splash it off and they move on with their day. Um, and I think that a really thorough cleanse will change your skin. And this is one product that I really rely on to do it. And I often also, this is kind of a bit unusual, but I don't wash my face in the shower. Like a lot of people do. Um, uh, there's been estheticians over the years who have told me that. So I've kind of adopted it. And basically it's because the water is just too hot typically. And also you don't get as thorough a cleanse as washing um, at sink side kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I'll usually have like hot flannel or sorry, not a hot flannel, but like a tepid, I'll use tepid water. And then I'll have like a, a flannel or like, like a baby face cloth to sort of like dry my face off. And I just love, love that product. And then for a drugstore buy that I, that's a good budget find, it's kind of a recent find and it's actually from Physicians Formula. It's a lip treatment that's about $8 and it's called their, um, it's their organic wear lip treatment. And I just think it's incredible. I've been blown away by how hydrating it is. And I am the type of person, like I've worn lip masks to bed tons of times I usually do that always. And now I've switched to using this because actually when I wake up in the morning and you know, we're all living in 
um, like, especially in the winter and it just dry air just sucks the moisture from your face. I feel like at night and this product will still like in the morning, I can still feel that it's on my lips. Mm -hmm. So it's really hydrating and it's $8 and I feel like it's clear. Everyone can use it. Um, even guys, I think it's a good, it's a good new find. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I learned a lot. (laughs) And where can everybody find you? So we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everywhere. We're Breaking Beauty Podcast. Just search for that. And breakingbeautypodcast.com. That's where we recap each and every episode. So if you guys want to go back and want to know where to buy some of the things that we have talked about in our episodes, you can find them there. And after this silver, we will send you a list of everything that we mentioned. Amazing. So you can have it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie. 